Oh, hallelujah. Come on and give Him praise. Don't just patty cake. Let's praise Him. Yeah. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. We're so glad you're here tonight, each and every one. We're so glad you're here. Hallelujah. You get to study the Word of God. Thank you for coming out, even in this weather. I'm glad you're here so we can study the Word of God. How many watched today uh, the, the live broadcast of uh, uh, the, the uh, President of Israel, the Prime Minister, and President Bush speaking at a celebration? Anybody watch it today on CNN? Uh, you watched part of it? And uh, I may be showing a clip. Uh, the, the Lord was speaking to me, and I was praying about preaching something else Sunday, and today I stayed shut in and prayed, and I felt to turn on TV, and I knew it was coming on sooner or later, and it came on. And the Lord had already had, gave me the title for my message Sunday. And it's going to be on the sign starting tomorrow about unusual times. How many of we're living in unusual times? Call for the extraordinary of God. And the Lord brought me to where the word unusual is in the Bible. And you can't even find it in Strong's. And so the Lord showed me where unusual was. And I wrote it down and I sat down and I, I recorded the, what the president of uh, Israel was speaking then the prime minister. And he said, I'm going to put my notes aside. I'm going to speak directly to my friend. And he used the word unusual three times, one right after another. And I had just wrote the title of this message. So I said, oh, Holy Spirit, you are in control. And then last night, the Holy Spirit just spoke so many things. Sunday night, I mean, we just worshiped for an hour and just had an awesome time, had miracles. And uh, I'm, I'm excited about these days. The darker it gets, the brighter the church is going to get. And so, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Matthew, chapter 5. Matthew, chapter 5. And we, we study on discipleship on Sunday nights. I mean, on Wednesday nights. The Word says to go into all the world and make disciples. So how many know we need to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I want you to see tonight in Matthew, chapter 5. Starting with verse 13. You are the salt of the earth. Say, that's me. I'm very important. I'm called to be a person of influence. And it goes on to say, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by people, by men. You are the light of the world. You. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen. How do you know the church is supposed to be the influence of the world? Amen. We're called to be the influence of the world. And that's amazing what Jesus starts getting into on His Sermon on the Mount when He called His disciples together. He saw the multitudes. His heart was moved by what He saw. And He called His disciples and He started teaching them. And as you know, we've already studied eight characteristics in Matthew chapter 5 uh, where He taught them, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. And we studied that one last week. And then we finally, he finally comes to the point where he says, By 
these eight facets of the life of Christ speak of character. And Jesus comes to the point and He says, okay, I start off teaching you about eight different characteristics of the spirit life. But character turns into conduct. Not just to have enough of just studying on how to get our characters changed. For us to be the salt of the world, He says, that conduct, that, uh, that character grows into conduct. It's a character that causes you to be who, you're spo- who we're supposed to be and walk in the fruit of the Spirit every day so we can be the influence to the world. Amen. There will be that salt. How many of you know, uh, if you were raised in the country, there's nothing like getting cucumbers and peeling them. And you can bite them like that, but how many know if you put a little bit of salt in those cucumbers, it just takes them to a whole nother level. Amen. How about tomatoes? You ever got tomatoes? And I mean, you could just eat tomatoes, but boy, if you put some salt on that tomato. Huh? Or if you cook rice cooker. How many of you know if you, you, put, you, you cook that rice and you forget the salt, it's not going to be the same. Or your, or your salad, or any of those things. How many know salt just, bam, does the touch? Well, that, well, this is what Jesus is saying. You are the bam of the kingdom of God. This world's just not the same without you. If you wouldn't be at your workplace, and you wouldn't be in that marriage, and you wouldn't be in a relationship with those people, and you wouldn't be praying, and you wouldn't come together as a body, it just wouldn't be the same without you. You've got to see that you, he didn't say you all. He says you, everyone, gives his own taste and flavor to the body of Christ. How many of you know, Brother Jake does worship one way, and then tonight, you know, we have Brother Daryl and Brother Benny, they got a little different, bam, a little different taste, and then the musicians have a little different touch. And then, you know, each and every one has a little different touch here and there. You know, you know, I may do a little bit more preaching. My wife does some teaching. Then we've got preachers and teaching. Everybody's got their own little bam. But that's what makes the body of Christ so flavorful. Amen. 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 I don't understand. We've got some uh, kinfolk that, uh, down in South Louisiana. It's got to be rice and gravy every night. And that's fine. Rice and gravy and potatoes every night. That's fine. But, boy, I like variety. You know, give me some fish and give me some chicken and give me some rice and gravy, but give me some hard-boiled eggs with a little bit of salt and mayonnaise. And... Oh, that, that is good. Y'all don't eat mayonnaise on yet? Oh, hey, man, come on now. You know? <laughs> egg salad. There you go, egg salad. Yeah, you do it. But, uh, you know, God just wants you to know you're the salt of the world and that you are special just like you are just to give your own taste. And give them a taste of Jesus. Because your character turns into conduct. Character leads into conduct, the salt of the earth. It's what's happening inwardly that's going to be revealed outwardly. Now there's something interesting. You don't have to turn to it. But in Leviticus 2.13, God says this. With all your offerings, say all. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. With every offering, you shall offer salt. And because salt to the Hebrews represented value. And when Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth, he was saying, you are the value of the kingdom of God here on this earth. That's why Jesus has such a plan for the lost using you to go and give you with value to give other people value. And we see here that he's talking about uh, giving, uh, offering, your, uh, offering your, all your offerings with salt. Because salt speaks of covenant. 
And what they would do is when, you know how the, are the American Indians would cut themselves to become blood brothers. Well, what they would do in those days to make a covenant is that one would bring the bread and the other would bring the salt. And the bread speaks of the flesh. And when you talk about being valued, you're talking about the salt being part of the covenant and, and being an offering, Jesus is speaking, you're called to be a living sacrifice. You're to offer your flesh up as a sacrifice. And by putting, taking the covenant of salt upon your flesh, because the bread represents the flesh, then you are saying, I'm willing to give my life as a living sacrifice to be holy and acceptable in His sight so that he, I can be meat for the Master's use. Amen. So we see here salt is so important. And as we get into this, we're going to see in a minute in Colossians, it says, uh, let your words be seasoned with salt. And he's saying, and so that you can live at peace with all men, or as many men as possible. And you know, that salt speaks of a commitment between believers, not only with Christ, but also with one another. And that salt there speaks about in the body of Christ that there's a commitment that I have a covenant with you that, you know, you've got something to add in my life. I've got something to add to your life. But we've got to understand that I'm going to live at peace with you because of that covenant and that I've got to put my flesh down so that you can accept me and I can accept you. And it's just the way Jesus was saying that I want my body to be a influence on this world. Because how many of you know, uh, for example, the, the Jews said that they called salt as the, the precious thing. They would call it the, the precious thing. The Greeks called salt the divine thing. The Romans would say there is nothing more useful than the sun and salt. How many know as Americans say they're worth their salt? Or how many know the Americans say they're the salt of the earth? And you know, that's talking about the value of that person. And it all comes around that same line where it's talking about you're the salt of the earth. And when you study that, it, it's, it's talking about the character, and, you know, when you talk about, you know, they're the salt of the earth, that means that they're just so precious. You know, they're, they're what people look for. But, you know, I've, I've got people here that are, are studying and preparing in the spirit realm, maybe to go to the mission field, going into the ministry. And I remember reading in, in one of our textbooks when we were in, uh, the, uh, in our language school that if, you're, if, so, if somebody wants to go to the mission field, and some missionary says, hey, I want you to send me these two guys. If a pastor don't cry over losing these two guys, then I don't want them. Because a lot of times the pastor will say, hey, you can have these two. But don't take them two. You can have this one, but don't take that one. Well, the missionary is saying, I want the one you don't want to get rid of. Because that tells me he's, he's worth his weight in gold. He's the salt of the earth. He's loyal, he's committed, he's trustworthy, he's faithful. And when it talks about being the salt of the earth, it even goes in the area of the workplace where you're punctual, you're faithful, you're loyal, you don't cheat, you work while you're at work, you, you, you don't go hide somewhere and take naps and steal stuff from the office. You, you're, you're an example. You live a life that's different than those in the workplace or in the world. You, you're called to be different. Uh, in, in, our, in our taxes and the things that we do, we've got to be honest in everything that we do. Why? Because we're the salt of the earth. We're the influence. And if we don't live the life like we should, then the world's going to say, you know, well, you know, it's Christianity. I'm going to read uh, uh, something that somebody wrote years ago. If, if they can't live what they, and practice what they preach or live what they believe, then they don't really believe what they say they believe. And so we're called to be the salt of the earth. And... Uh, 
we see here that it talks about being valuable to mankind. Look with me in, in Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9, verse 47. Well, we'll start with verse 45. If your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better to enter into eternal life with only one foot than be thrown into hell with two feet. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. It is better to enter the kingdom of God with only one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into hell. Where the maggots never die and the fire never goes out. For everyone would be tested with fire. Salt is good for seasoning. But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Well, this is, this is interesting here. Because we're going to find out tonight. One of the things that Paul went to his grave praying. And it's one of the words that the Swedish use for salt losing its taste, which is the word tang. And what he saying, Paul kept saying is, I don't want to be disqualified. After I have preached to others, not, I don't want myself to be disqualified. And what Jesus is saying here is that when salt loses its power, its oomph, when salt loses its seasoning, and you start becoming isolated, isolation is what causes salt to lose its taste and its freshness and its preservatory power and so forth and so on. If, if, you, if we start dabbling in the sin and living a lifestyle of sin, then the salt that preserves us for heaven, the salt that preserves our works, the salt that preserves our life for eternity in heaven, starts losing its flavor. And Jesus is saying, before you lose the salt that preserves you, and you're going to see in the Scripture, it says the salt that's in you. Before you lose the salt that Jesus has put within you, and that you end up losing to a point where you end up in, in hell because you did not preserve your eyes or your hands or your feet to follow me fully, it would be better to enter into heaven lame than go to heaven, than, than go to hell whole. Because the salt is able to lose its, its uh, saltiness here. And he goes on to say, But if it loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? Oh, hallelujah, church. Aren't you thankful that the backslider can come back? Aren't you thankful that if we've lost some seasoning, some power to the saltiness of the Spirit and the control of the Spirit, aren't you thankful that we can get it back? Hallelujah. Amen. And that's what he teaches us here. How do you make it salty again? You must have these qualities of salt among yourselves. You must have these qualities of salt among yourselves and live at peace with each other. And I love what the message says. It says, be preservatives yourself. Preserve peace. Be preservatives yourself. Preserve peace. And I started thinking, you know, salt, you put it on meat to preserve it. You know, salt is a preservative. And if you didn't have salt, it, you know, meat would rot and so forth and so on. I believe, as we've been studying this, I believe that even in some of the friendships you may be in and people you may be working with, you're to persevere and you continue reaching out to them in love. 
Because that salt in you, the love of Christ and the compassion of Christ and the character of God within you is what wants to hold you in that place so that you say, you know what, I just can't work with those people anymore. You know, if they want to go to hell, just let them go to hell. And something inside of you is crying, don't give up on them. You're preservative where you are. The Spirit of Christ is preserving you in the Spirit and under the mantle of the Holy Spirit that no matter how much they try to resist the Lord or resist the salvation or resist you reaching out to them, you just stay in there and you just keep reaching out to them. And even if they stop, you just keep saying, I love you in the love of the Lord. If they keep rejecting my message, you just keep living it and you keep showing it, showing it because I put something in you for you to stay there, to be a light to that person and be a salt to that person till one day they're going to lick their lips. And salt makes you thirsty. One day they're going to lick their lips after they have cursed you and called you everything in the book. And one day they're going to lick their lips and some salt residue has stayed there. And they're going to go, ooh, maybe there is something to this word. Maybe there is something about going to church. Maybe there is something about living for Jesus. It says you're a preservative. You stay in there because you can keep people from going to hell by staying in there and being a light to them. Amen. And, uh, of course, Hebrews 7, verse 26 talks about the Lord wants us to be holy and undefiled, separate from sinners. But it talks about judging and examining ourselves so that we can be useful in the kingdom of God. How many of you know you, we touch people every day? How many of you know you're around people every day? We touch people every day. This is the question. Salt causes an effect. So I wonder, what type of effect are we causing to others? What effect are we causing with the people we work with, the people we live with? And that's what talk, salt's talking about, the effect we have in, on them. You know, how many times, you know, you, you talk to people and they go, well, you know what, I'm just, I quit church years ago and I'm not going back. In fact, church people just turned me off. Well, they didn't get a hold of salt. Because when you get a hold of a salty Christian who keeps its seasoning, who keeps its flavor, then they'll say, you know, I want to go to church. I want to meet more people like that. I want to be a part of that group. But sometimes you talk to people who've just been turned off because they saw, they saw the wrong thing or they've experienced the wrong thing. But how many of you know you can't judge everybody by just what happened one time or with somebody? And in fact, you've got to learn to keep your eyes on Jesus because He'll keep you so thirsty that you'll drink from now forever on, on the well that never runs dry. Amen. So our, also, how many of you know that when you have a sore throat, how many know you gargle with warm water and salt? Why? Salt is antiseptic. It's, a, it's got healing power in it. How many of you know you've got healing power in you? You've got healing power in you. You know, we've got to go to this wake and this funeral. and You know, it's not that, you know... You know, one thing about funerals that I've learned and I've shared with you before, sometimes you just sit down with a person and hold their hand. And, you know, we may not have all the answers to tell people why they lost their mother, why they lost their wife. But you know what? We're not called. We are not omniscient. We don't know everything. Only God is all-knowing. And so there's times you go to a funeral and awake and someone's just lost a loved one and you're hurting inside and you don't have the right words. Well, you know what? The Bible says... You're not to have the right words for those who weep. It says to weep with those who weep. You just hold them and you just be a shoulder to them. You may not have nothing to say, but there sure is something that you, you can be an antiseptic. You can hold them 
and let that healing virtue inside of you just start flowing to that person and start loving on them and start healing them. And that wound that's deep and that wound that's hurting, that salt goes in that wound and it starts cleansing and it starts killing the bacteria and it starts working on that wound so that healing can start. You, you are a healing agent sent from God to heal somebody. Don't ever say you're not important. Jesus said you are the salt of the earth. You are the best I've got. You may not see it and may not believe it, but I'm building the qualities of love and mercy and patience. I'm building the fruit of the Spirit in you so that you are the best I've got so that I can send you not only to preserve a relationship, but heal a relationship. Amen? Look with me in Mark chapter 9. We're right there. It says in verse 50. Mark chapter 9, verse 50. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves. Say that with me. Have salt in yourselves and have peace one another. Now, one of the things about salt is it is, is a preservative. And what it talks about there is a life of holiness, about preserving the holiness and the purity of the life of Christ in us. So that we can continue to preserve the peace of God in us. Let the peace of God rule your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Let that salt that's in you, the the power of the covenant, salt represents the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. The salt seals you with that purity and that holiness so that you preserve it and you keep it so that you can have peace with God, peace with yourself, and peace with fellow man. That's what he's talking about that there. And it talks about uh, salt is to make contact with the other Object. How I many you know salt can only work when it's making contact with the other object? And you know, if when I'm putting salt on a salad or something like that, uh, the salad's not the same until that salt makes contact. Well, you may be the Jesus' way of making contact with a certain person to preserve them. And God's got a call. When, when I was in, I think, third or fourth grade, living in South Louisiana, um, there was this new boy who started school. His name was Troy. And every day he'd, he'd pass by on the bus. I would get down off the bus or he'd pass in front of me. And I would tell him hello and he wouldn't even look at me. Wouldn't even talk back to me. This went on for a month. But, you know, I'm, I can get determined. And every day I'd tell him hello and I'd tell him goodbye. I made sure I told him hello and I told him goodbye. And for months he would never look at me, never respond. I'd go walk around him in the uh, schoolyard and he'd take off in another direction. But after a few months I just continued Telling him hello and goodbye, and one day he told me goodbye. I remember, I still remember. One day he told me goodbye. And from then something started happening. Do you know he became my best friend? But not only that, do you know he became a preacher? And then my other best friend, Kevin, he became a preacher, and all three of us guys became preachers. But I was determined. You can ignore me all you want to, but one day you're going to acknowledge, I'm telling you hello. I'm going to tell you hello and goodbye until you tell me something. And it took a few months, but you know what? He became my best friend, and we'd get together all the time. And even after I moved away, I'd go see him. There's a preserving power in that salt power, that's covenant power that's on the inside of you. Amen. It's to maintain the savor and to be effective. How many of salt can be a silent witness? Salt speaks of preserving power. How about one of the things we've got to preserve because it says in Colossians that your words be seasoned with salt? How many of you know we've got to learn to preserve in, uh, the area of control over what we say? 
Preserve what we say may offend somebody or hurt somebody. Control the power of that, even under uh, the, of speaking, even under uh, pressure. Like, for example, when Jesus was before Pilate, and pa- it says that Pilate marveled because Jesus didn't answer any of his accusers. He says, don't you have anything to say? And he, ne- he answered, not a, not a one a word. That's the salt power. Aren't you going to speak up? Aren't you going to say something? And I read I said, Lord, that's how I want to be. Help me in my heart to keep the control and help to preserve my words and preserve what I say. Because how many know the Bible says that if, if you can hold your words back, you're a perfect man. Amen? Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each and every one. Acts chapter 8, verse 4, you don't have to look at it, but it says the church was persecuted and they were scattered about. And it says everywhere they went, it says they turned the world in 30 years. Listen to this. Let me tell you this. This is, this is good. In 30 years, they turned the world upside down. They were persecuted. They all had to go out. It says that and they all went out, all the believers, not the apostles, all the believers, all like you, went out and were scattered abroad. And everywhere they went, they preached the word of God. Now, now listen to this. I want to know, uh, you might not have known this. In Acts there where it talks about preached, do you know it's the word for gossip? How many of you knew that? Everywhere they went, they gossiped about the word of God. They went to this city, they went to that village, they went to that place. How many of you know gossipers can ruin anything? Well, how about if you go around with that same type of spirit except anointed, and you start saying, hey, you know what happened the other day on Main Street? No, what happened? They caught a woman in adultery. Oh, what was her name? I don't know. But yeah, they stoned her. Boy, you should have seen everybody picking up rocks. But right when they were picking up rocks, yeah, yeah, what happened? Did she bleed a lot? No. A rabbi came and knelt by her and started writing in the sand. How do you know gossip gets the attention of people? Like nobody's business. Hey, let me tell you something about him. What, 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 what? Tell me about him and I'll pray for him. I'll know what to pray for. Everybody's into gossip. Well, these believers went around. They didn't have the Holy Bible like we did today. They had the Word of God in their heart and they had been discipled. And they went around and they, like gossip, started saying... uh, They started hearing, well, you know what so-and-so's... Do you know what Isabel's going through? No. What is she going through? Man, she's speaking in tongues, dreaming dreams, laying hands on the sick. What are you talking about? They went around. They were seasoned with salt. They drew the people to their message. Their life drew the people to them. And then once you get them hook, line, and seeker, you got them. I know it's hard for a gossiper to quit gossiping. So if we could turn the church into a bunch of gospel gospelers, Huh? We could reach this world, couldn't we? Amen? This French philosopher, uh, Camus, wrote when he was asked, What does the world expect of Christians? He said, What the world expects of Christians is that they speak up against evil in such a way there's not the slightest doubt about what they mean. Do you see about salt losing its flavor? What do you hear today? 
What do y'all believe about homosexuality? Oh, well, you know, they're just born that way and everybody's got their, their failures. What do you think about adultery today? What do you think about living together before you get married today? What do you think about doing this and that today? What do you think about falling into this and that today? I mean, do you call it sin? Oh, we just love everybody. We just want everybody here. It's losing its protecting agent. The salt of the Word of God is losing its flavor. When the salt, when the message starts getting watered down, there's no preserving power and there's nothing to preserve you from hell or the people hearing the message. That's why Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. Don't only speak it, but live it. Because the way you live might keep somebody from going to hell. What you say might keep somebody from going to hell. And we want to bankrupt heaven to fill a bankrupt hell to fill heaven. So what you're living, keep that salt, keep seasoned, keep seasoning, keep going around and just preserving and protecting because you may keep somebody from going to hell. He says they need to. What the world expects from Christians is that they speak out against evil in such a way that there's not the slightest, slightest doubt about what they mean. What do you mean it's sin? It means the wages of sin is death. And if you practice sin, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. That's what Hebrews says. Well, do you really think it means that? Do you really think hell means fire and worms? Jesus said it did. Can exist in the heart of the simplest man. The world expects Christians to speak out clearly and pay up personally. Then how much more does Christ expect of us? Mark 9.49 speaks every sacrifice to be seasoned with salt. It's, it's to, it costs, but it's to the praise and the glory of God. How many know sometimes things cost us? Especially when it goes to preserving you know, those we love. I heard about a, a leper colony. I, I got, got a burnt, the, the church on this leper colony got burnt down in Korea. And the, and the lepers couldn't find, they didn't know how they want to rebuild their church. So they said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to go without eating every Saturday and Sunday. We're going to sell the food instead of eat it every Saturday and Sunday for two years so that we can raise the $1,200 to build a new church. Not only that, we can gather with our brothers and sisters so that new people can come in and come to know our Christ. So for two years, they went out. They went without eating and drinking for two years so they could raise the $1,200 that would feed them for two years to build their church. How many of you know that seasoned with salt? Amen. Preserving power. Preserving power. Mark 9.50 Mark 9, said, Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. Out of this comes... And what it talks about there is what happens to salt is isolation. Causes salt to go bad. And Maybe you've seen salt where you've got a package and you opened up and it's been left there for a while and it gets hard. And when you use it, it doesn't have the same taste and so forth and so on. Well, isolation, in other words, it says in the book of Hebrews, do not abandon the, the gathering of yourselves together. When we uh, start isolating ourselves from the Word of God, and we start isolating ourselves from prayer, and we start isolating ourselves from church, and we start isolating ourselves from fellowship, because you read in the book of Acts, it says that they gathered together daily, and they gathered together, they had fellowship, and they broke bread together. There was fellowship. They were going to church. They were getting the Word of God. They were communing with one another. That keeps the salt seasoned. Who's going to keep me seasoned if, if I don't have to get around nobody to get my salt seasoned? To get that flavor, to keep it and protect it. Acts 2.42 said that they met together, togetherness. They come together in a spirit of worship and reverence and love. 
and uh, helpful thoughts and encouraging one another. The word loses there, the salt loses its flavor, is the word moros. Now listen to this. He says that if the salt loses its flavor, that word in the Greek is moros. It means that it becomes dull. How many of you know if you don't get with other believers and you don't stay in the Word and you don't stay in the attitude of worship and praise and you don't come to church to worship and praise, I'm not going to sing. I don't, I don't believe in singing those songs. I don't see where I have to sing. I don't see where I, I have to study the Bible. I don't see where I have to pray. I don't see where I have to tithe. I don't see why I have to do any of those things. You start becoming dull to the sensitivity of the Spirit. That word loses also is the word sluggish, stupid, fluid, uh, foolish, and it's the word morals where we get our word moron. In other words, the more I start playing around with the world or allowing my, my flesh to be in control, the bread which speaks of my flesh to be in control, the more the salt inside of me starts losing its flavor and the more influence I start losing in this world. I become a tasteless Christian. What happens when a Christian allows impurity comes into our life? First Corinthians nine twenty seven talked about Paul saying, "I do not want to be disqualified when I start losing when when I preach to others, and I don't want to end the end of my ministry to end up losing my life." Let, let me share this with you. Talking about being salt losing its flavor. How many of you know Samson just didn't lose his preserving power right away? He just play, and play a little bit more, and play a little bit more. And that preserving power is being lost. Why did Lot's wife, after she was delivered from the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, why did she get turned into? A pillar of salt. Why? She lost her preserving power. She was delivered, but she didn't want to she didn't want to lose what was she had grown used to and fell in love with there in Sodom and Gomorrah. She didn't want to leave that behind. So what a price to pay when we don't preserve our lives. There's a custom Barclay says about the Jews. It says that when a salt loses its flavor and its seasoning, the only thing it's good for is throwing, throwing in the street for people to trample under. And what the Hebrews would do is when a, a Jewish man especially would uh, get kicked out of a synagogue because of sin or something like that, and he would backslide or he would re renounce his Jewish heritage and then he would come back. They had a ritual they would do that if you wanted to back into the church, you had to lay down at the door. And you had to let everybody step on you as you come back into the, into the synagogue. Because you were showing that you had lost your seasoning power. And now if you don't get it back, you're worth nothing more than instead of standing upright to bless me, now you are something for me or the enemy to walk upon. How do you know we're not here to be walked upon? We're here to be a blessing. Amen? But Jesus is saying... Be careful because it's so easy to lose your savor. It's so easy to, to lose that preserving power, to become saltless, to have no effect, can meet no need, can draw no body. And this world, he says, you're the salt of the world. You're the only hope some people are going to have. So how many know I believe he was really, uh, he was really um, meeting this? It says, it is characterized by quality and purity. Is the salt of your life influencing others around you, or have you lost your savor? Let us not blame the world for the increasing wickedness around us. Let's blame the church that has become paralyzed and morally evil. Solomon wrote in Proverbs 29:18, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. Responsibility. 
of us as salt of the world is to control and maintain restraint. Amen? Well, I just can't. Yes, you can. Say, I can. I can maintain restraint. Amen? I can control myself. I can control myself. You balance the marriage every day, you ought to claim, I am the salt of the world, and I can control myself. I don't have to give in to those dictates of the flesh. I don't have to give in to what my eyes see or what my ears hear. I don't have to give in to these different things. I can control myself. The Bible talks in Peter about self-control. And I believe that's an area we've got to learn in this hour, in this day. You know, instead of just being loose. How many of we need to tighten up? Amen, church? They're just being loose. I believe we need to tighten up. We need to tighten up in our Bible study. We need to tighten up in our faithfulness. We need to tighten up in maybe what we're watching on TV. Tighten up on, on what we're doing at work. We're one way in church and we're another way with somebody when we go to work. I believe we need to tighten it up. That's what Jesus was saying. You, don't, you are the salt of the world. You don't want to use your, your power, your influencing power on this world. Amen. Hallelujah. Did you get something out of this? Hallelujah. How I many know? Stand up and let's trample on the enemy. Hallelujah. We're not going to be trampled on. We're going to trample upon the enemy. Hallelujah.